0: This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President, KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast.
1: Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to the April twenty fifth edition of Invest Talk. And you know we're going to work together. We work together this full hour and to share a, specific, a common goal, and that is. achieve financial independence we're all looking forward to that target are we not i'm thinking we are and to do that we want to do not what we need to do to do what we want when you get to retirement that's what that's what it's all about to me not stop working but to do what you want to do not what you need to do knowing where the economy is and the economic cycle as an investor is critical because the stock market cycle is attached to the economic cycle. Usually the stock market cycle leads the economic cycle. In other words, the stock par- stock price will go down and then the economy will go down. Or the stock market goes up and then the economy recovers. That's the normal correlation. How far in advance or behind, however you want to put it, is the stock market to the economy? Well, that's subject to... You know, that's what makes it interesting. It's not that easy to determine that. And bond prices tend to leave the stock market. So we're going to try to get deeper into that this hour. I'm going to try to give you that, okay? But the the first job is to always answer your questions. Our number is 888-99-CHART, and it's any time. That number you can call any time you want. Here's a call that came in before today's program.
2: Hi, my name is Joel. I got a question um, about 401k. I've got a trading account and um, I've done pretty well over the last couple of years in my trading account. And I have a few winners, say, let's say Facebook. And I've got, you know, another winner, like say Monster Energy drinks. You know, I'm up five, 600%. Is that something that I need to, I don't normally put in stocks on a stock. I, I'm a pretty long investor. Is that something where with the market conditions, if I'm up, five to six hundred percent on a stock am i stupid for not putting in a stock or do i just continue it to hold since my plan is to hold them for i don't know up to the next 20 years um just uh, appreciate your thoughts and uh let me know what you think um i'll be looking forward to your answer on the podcast thank you
1: when a stock or two or three do that well it makes your portfolio unbalanced in other words, it's top heavy with two or three or four stocks. Doesn't mean you get out of them, it means you start taking profits. You start cutting them back. You start you don't want just a few stocks dominating your portfolio. Because just as easy just as just as it grows so sharply, so fast within a year, it can easily fall like that in the next year. Okay, so you have to be really careful and manage and balance the portfolio. So just start taking some profits, reduce that overburden, or if it is, I don't know how much, how big your portfolio, I don't know how it is and how well balanced it is. But normally, you wanna re- rebalance your portfolio at least once a year to just make sure that you're not taking too much risk in any one thing, any one sector, any one stock, or two stocks, and just balance the portfolio. Over long periods of time, a balanced portfolio would do better. We had, you know, I I talked about that and gave you some statistics on that, about about a balanced portfolio and a more focused portfolio, which one works better over long periods of time. And it is the balanced portfolio. So just be very careful. And the smart thing would be to, to rebalance the portfolio and probably cut back. Doesn't mean you'll get rid of them. Just cut back. So how does the average investor piece together enough facts to understand where the market is along the economic cycle? It's kind of a dance that, that goes on with the economy. It's hard. Stock prices and bond prices and the economy, they're all interrelated. And it's sometimes difficult to understand how, how what kind of dance they are have. Where are we in the dance? There's no perfect relationship and no perfect times. It just You just don't know. So I can't tell you what you need to rely on. I can give you some, some statistics and give you some hints, and I will. Now, today the bond market is weak because yields, as you know, the 10-year yield went up to a little over 3%. And that means the value of bonds went down. That's what I mean by weak. Stock prices over that time have been strong. But remember, bond values move before stock prices. So if the stock bond market is going down because it's getting weak and interest rates are rising, Stock market will eventually roll over, but when? It might be months, could be a year or two, you don't know, but it seems to always happen. And volatility is probably a sign that investors are getting nervous. And of course, we have had a 10% correction. We're still in, still working our way through, and not a bear market yet, but a definite correction. This cycle might be durable, but knowing when the stock prices will fall because bonds have already fallen is very difficult. How how do you know bond prices won't continue to fall? Remember, bond prices fall because interest rates will rise. And there comes a point that interest rates are too high and bond prices so low that they drag down stocks. That point is very difficult to determine. Now, learning and understanding the cycles is part of your job as an investor. You have to learn them. Do you have questions about the relationship of the economy? I'm going to talk about it further in this hour. Today, we're going to talk some about what a rise in industrial production means to your portfolio. What does that mean? Some of the other topics I want to talk about. We're going to talk about the proven recession predictor. It's sounding an alarm right now. We're gonna talk about that. And volatility has been with us for what? Every what? Since February? Now, so what is the cause of this volatility? Everybody would say, you know, maybe it's the uh, trade dispute that our government has with other countries, or maybe, maybe it's the bond yields going up and maybe or maybe it's inflation. And you know what? All those three things are probably the reason. But right now, there's also one other reason that no one has talked about. I'm going to share with you. And the final thing is, has a bear market started? Mr. McClellan thinks so. McClellan, McClellan, the McClellan Oscillator, he thinks so. So those are the things we're going to talk about. not trying to be negative or anything, but I just want to bring out all the facts to the table here. We're only in a correction mode. Nothing has changed from that market bounced up a little bit today. The Dow was up 60. The Nasdaq was down 4, but the S&P was up 5. So a little bounce. But that doesn't really mean much, does it? One day does not mean much. This is Invest Talk. I'm financial advisor Steve Peasley. Here are some words of wisdom from Charlie Munger. You know who Charlie Munger is? Vice President of Berkshire Hathaway? The conglomerate controlled by Warren Buffett? He said... I believe in the discipline of mastering the best that other people have ever figured out. I don't believe in just sitting down and trying to dream it all up myself. Nobody's that smart. So I'm here to answer your questions. 888-99-CHART. You can get through right now with your question on Investor.
0: Listening to Invest Talk Answers to Important Questions. What's your topic?
3: Getting a Roth IRA started. My mutual fund. Lifetime income plan with cash refunds. Why do mutual funds
2: close to new investors?
0: Get your question to us now at 888 99Chart. That's how you can reach Invest Talk anytime 24 hours a day. Okay, sir. Thank you. Hi, my name is Jonathan Vallejo.
2: Just going to call about Costco. And I was trying to see what a uh, good buy point is for them and if they uh, are overall a good growth stock. Once again, Costco.
1: Thanks. Costco Wholesale Corporation. uh, uh, It operates 715 wholesale membership warehouses in the U.S., Puerto Rico, Canada, U.K., Mexico, Australia, Spain, and Japan. Okay. You want to know what's a good buy point? Okay, first of all, you got to figure out, well, how, is Costco expensive or is cheap? Well, it's expensive. They're going to make, they're growing their earnings 22% this year and then another 10% or so next year. It's so $7.71 a share and it's a $193 stock. Okay, so you're looking at a company that's pretty expensive, near the top of its five-year range, 22 to 34 PE range. The company is extremely solid. return on equity, very good. Still growing decently at 10, 11%. uh, Doesn't pay much of a dividend, 1%. And it's really close to its uh, 52-week high, so this is not a good place to buy it. You want to wait for a breakout, then you're just buying it on momentum. But if you want to wait for a pullback, there's two places that I would consider. About $175 and about the mid-1. 50, the low to mid 150 150 155 somewhere in there. Those are the two buy points for this stock. Now, if you bought it here today, right now, the stock is most likely overvalued. It most likely will retrace at some point. And if you held it long enough, yeah, you'll make money. You'll make money. It'll, it will go up. So you could do that as long as you have the patience to hold on to it as it falls. Because it will fall. No doubt in my mind that it's going to fall at some point. Just not, you know, I just don't know when. Costco is the symbol of C-O-S-T, by the way. Costco. This is the best talk. I'm Financial Advisor Steve Peasley. Everybody love to talk to you. What's on your mind? Give me a call. 888-99-CHART is our number. You can call any time you want. Now, let's talk about, let's talk about, Bear market for stocks. Let's let's talk about bear markets for stocks. Okay. I I you know, have you ever heard of the McClellan Oscillator? Man's still alive, he's the one who invented it. And what it basically is is ex, a bunch of exponential moving averages of closing prices. Bunch of data on that. I'm not going to get into how he calculates it, because I don't know really for sure myself, but I know it's pretty complex. But what he is saying is that his McCle- McClellan oscillator is pointing to a down market until August. He, now, when they get that specific, I'm having trouble believing it. And he's calling a bear market. It's going to be a bear market. But you got to understand, his definition of bear market is not the normal definition. He thinks we're already in a bear market when the correction has only been about 10%. He doesn't believe in percentages in defining bear markets or bull markets. So when you talk to the guy, or you listen to him, or you're reading, you read, you got to understand where he's coming from. He thinks we're in a bear market, and it's going to last till August. Now, I have told you on air and and to my clients that I think we're going to have a rough year until the end of the year. Then we'll then we'll have a, a, a probably a run toward the end of the year. August, I can't pick that kind of day. It's too hard. Too hard. But the market has been in this corrective phase now since February. And here we are getting toward the end of April. So all of February, March, and now most of April. The market's correcting. McClellan thinks that after this week, the market's going to get weaker. Weaker. That's what I think. The market will get weaker after this week, he thinks we might have a little run up in the market in the last few few days. And see, I don't believe that anybody can be that sharp. I mean, maybe could, but I just um, I'm familiar with the McClellan oscillator, and I just don't think it's that accurate. You know, uh, so I'm telling you that yeah, I think we're going to have a weak market for some time, and he he he's just confirming that. But then uh, we probably... I, give you, I can give you the specific reasons why I think we'll uh, rally toward the end of the year. I, I can give you specific reasons why I think that and, and, and the probability that it will happen. But no one knows for sure about anything in the stock market. Nobody. It's driven by a bunch of people's emotions sometimes. If your emotion is... If, if everybody's fearful, the market's going down. Everybody's greed, the market's going up. And that can, you know, that can swing... This is Invest Talk. I welcome any money questions from alternative energy stocks, dividend investing, any kind of thing like that. Emerging markets? Well, we're here for you. 888.
0: Talk continues on, a service of KPP Financial, serving the average investor for more than 25 years with innovative investing programs, programs they have a personal stake in, independent thinking, shared success with parallel investing. And now it's time to bring your question to the table. Eight 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 ninety nine 99 chart is our anytime number. Hey, Stephen, Justin, I'm
2: calling to get your opinion on Stock ticker LPTH, it's Light Path Technologies. I know that this is kind of a micro cap stock. It's about a $57 million market cap. However, the PE ratio is at eight and the forward P is around 14. And their EPS this year, next year, past five years, the return on investment, return on equity and return on investment all, you know, make this company look like a good possible investment for me. Tell me why I shouldn't throw some money at this. Um, They have very little debt, long-term and short-term. It seems like something that could go up 100 200% in the next five years. All right, I'll listen for the answer. Thanks.
1: Okay, this is Light Path Technologies, Class A. Manufactures precision-molded glass, aspheric-infrared-molded optics, oscillators, fiber-optic... Cumulators and glass. I I don't know what all those things do, by the way, but those are what it makes. It's a 52 million dollar company, so it's extremely small. Therefore, extremely risky. When companies are this small, the the risk factor is huge. Okay, it makes eight million dollars a quarter, but that's it, it is. It made four million dollars a quarter two years ago, so it's doubled its earnings over that period of time, and yeah, that means it's high growth. It also makes money. It's going to make six, $0.08 cents this year, but made $0.38 cents last year, and then make $0.16 cents next year. So, yeah, it's making money, not consistently, but it's making money. Uh, and as a $2.04 stock is going to make $0.16, cents. that means it's fairly, what? That's a 15 PE, 18 PE. Now, a great return on equity of 40%. Why shouldn't you do it? Because it's extremely high risk. Any type of competitor can wipe them out in an instant can take away all their clients. So you gotta be really careful. It's at a new 52-week low, meaning <clears throat> the stock has been in a downtrend. It's in the middle of November it popped up to $4 from like $2.50. And then in the in by the end of November, it was back down to $2.50. Today's at $2.04. So, yeah, you can make a lot of money. It could go back up to $4. Extremely high risk. Could also go out of business. But it does have the numbers. You can throw a little bit of money at it as a risk play. Very risky play. Just don't put a lot of money in it. It's super risky. And I wouldn't do it because of that risk. I just would not. LPTH is the symbol Light Path Technologies. LPTH. 888.99 chart. We often, I often talk about economic indicators, okay? Every week, the government produces and different uh, different entities produce economic numbers. One of the numbers put out every month by the Federal Reserve is called the Industrial Production Number. Industrial Production. It's a report and also... Industrial production and capacity utilization and go to kind of go together. And just talk about our manufacturing a, a sector of our economy. We're talking about mining, gas, electric utilities, that sector of our economy. And try to remember that our economy is a more service-oriented economy, co- economy, not industrial production type of economy. But they are important, and the industrial production numbers and capacity utilization numbers. Give you a sense of inflation, because the, remember these these manufacturers take in raw material, and that raw material cost goes up. They pass the cost along to all the way along to you, the ultimate consumer. So that's where inflation starts to percolate, in the, and you get that information from the industrial production capacity utilization. You can understand that. Okay, so what are the strengths of this com- this report? Well, it talks about you know all many lines of businesses, electronics, chemicals, basic materials. It gives you a good picture of that. It uh, gives you a, a timely indicator, you know, of uh, you know future inflation. What are some of the weaknesses? Weaknesses. It only talks about. Goods producing industries, which make up less than half our economy, right? Okay, and not included is uh, is uh, construction, construction, building, building houses and building stuff. It's not included. And services, of course, are not included. Uh, they're drawn from different sources and sometimes just estimates, not actual numbers. They use estimates. So there are some drawbacks to this report. But it is a good report. I look at every report, of course. And this is a good report to look at. Especially, I kind of like the capacity utilization. Because the more they get at capacity, and that's around 80% is max, max capacity. The easier you can see inflation coming. in. Because if they're at max capacity and they can't keep up, they're going to charge more for their goods. This is a natural thing. So that's the industrial production report. It comes out monthly. So what's coming up on the next Invest Talk? The best college savings plan you'll not be using. That will be one of the topics on Invest Talk tomorrow, Thursday. We're here to answer your question on any money topic. Call me now at eight 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 ninety nine.
0: Our Invest Talk podcast continues. One of KPP Financial's solutions that help solve today's retirement puzzle is our Balanced Income Portfolio. How do you get the income you need in retirement without the kind of risk that you don't feel comfortable with? That's what this program is all about, the Balanced Income Portfolio from KPP Financial. And remember, as with each KPP program, the principles at KPP are invested right along with you. Would you like to know more about it? The Balanced Income Portfolio? You can call 888-99-CHART and follow the prompts, or you can ask Steve about it directly. Just click on the Contact Steve button on investtalk.com. Now let's get back to the podcast. We're glad you're with us today for Invest Talk and its Financial Literacy Month. So read a book. Here's one that you've heard Steve talk about, Creative Destruction, Why Companies That Are Built to Last Underperform the Market and How to Successfully Transform Them by Richard Foster and Sarah Kaplan. See more about it and others. Click on the Invest Talk tab and then books on InvestTalk.com. You're listening to Invest Talk, and that number to get through to us, talk to Steve right now at 888-99-CHART.
1: 888-992-4278. Let's talk to to Jose in San Francisco. How are you doing? Pretty good. Pretty good.
2: Enjoy your show. Um, I'd like to know your thoughts you. on uh, S.J. Lauder, ticker symbol EL. I'm looking to buy and hold for a while, but um, I'd like to know your thoughts, and uh,
3: what's a good price to get in?
1: Okay, Estee Lauder Company, uh, it manufactures makeup, fragrances, skin, hair care products, and it does it in over 150 countries around the world. So it's it's a big company. It's 50, $54 billion. So that's a big cap company. They're going to make $4.37 a share this year. That's a 25% from last year, and then another 13% next year to $4.95, and it's a $146 stock. Okay so that means it's kind of expensive it's growing nicely sales and earnings it really is growing nicely but it's pretty expensive uh the stock has marched up for well over a year just up 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 and just recently had i mean just recently i say recent the last one two three four five six seven days it's fallen um and the question is is it a good buy? It's really expensive. Ah, the numbers are good. Thirty-three percent return uh-huh. on equity. Man, you know, all the numbers are really, really good, and that's why. And it's been very consistent, and that's why it's so expensive. Uh, right. I think, you know, if you're going to take a chance, it's me. It's right at its hundred-day moving average right now. Uh and last three times it's been there in the last year, it bounced up higher. So it's kind Get of hard for me at. to say that, yeah, this kind of tells me that this might be a good place to buy it. For me, though, Jose, uh, Jose, I have trouble spending, you know, 30, 40 PE ranges on stock. So I wouldn't buy it, but it is a really good company, and this is a buy point historically. So you can, What? why don't we do this? I will say, that you can buy, why don't you buy half of what you want to buy right now? And let's see if it, comes, right. you know, bounces from here. I do think it it, it should go, it sh, I would feel more comfortable about $120, $125 a share. You know, but I don't know if it's ever going to get that low anytime soon. Okay? Yeah. Appreciate the call, Jose. Right, Thank you. EL, just, EL, everybody, Estee Lauder Company. Let's go to Gene in North Carolina. How you doing, Gene? Hey, Steve. Thanks for taking
2: my call. Thank you. I had a question about the 10-year the treasury just um, hit mm-hmm. uh, 3%. Is that right, recently?
1: Yes. Yes.
2: And I, and I First see time that and when I go for to like, my discount broker, that if I wanted mm-hmm. to buy a 10-year CD that is FDIC-insured, it's 3.25%. Yep. So I'm just mm-hmm. wondering, is it normal that a CD would be the the interest rate would be slightly higher than the Treasury since it's offered by a bank?
1: Yes. Which one do you think is safer? Even though both are safe and the CD is FDI insured, which one do you think is safer, even given all that? The U.S. government Treasury bond or the bank CD? Is it a trick question in terms of holding it for 10 years or less? No. It's not a trick question. No.
2: Well, I would think, offhand, I would think both of them are are just as safe since, um, well, I guess, I I mm -hmm. think the FDIC insured, is. it seems like it's a a cleaner transaction
1: and, and it's more straightforward, so I would think that's safer. It's not. The U.S. government treasury is safer because the only way that the U.S. treasury would not pay is if the U.S. government went out of business. Whereas but the FDIC a bank, insurance and, has it, it has a limited budget. Is that what it is? That's right. It's insurance. It's insurance. Not. It's not. See, the U.S. government debt is considered no risk at all. Now, the CD has a little tiny bit of risk. Yes, yeah, not a lot, but a tiny bit, because it's a bank that could go under. And FDIC insurance is not a guarantee by the government. It's just a guarantee by an insurance company based on the premiums paid by all the member banks. That's
2: right. And I remember now that you mentioned this topic that a while back during the Great Recession that there was a concern at the time, I forgot her name, that there was someone who was the head of the FDIC that it
1: wasn't properly funded. That's That's right. uh, That's correct. Do you remember correctly? Gene, that's good, good, good memory there. Yes, I think she Sheila was Bear she was concerned. Her name. Yeah. She had yeah. And the premiums weren't enough to cover the financial crisis. So right. they increased the premiums, uh, yeah. So that was a, and remember they increased the insurance from 100,000 200 to 250,000 and she was all up in arms about that. Only because she knew that if something drastic happened, they didn't have the money. Right. They did not have the money. Yeah, okay. so so one, one that's why the question. treasuries are safer.
3: Yeah.
2: I see. One quick follow-up yeah. question about that. What if you hold, can you compare what happens if you don't hold it, if you buy either one and you don't hold it to 10 years if you want to get out in five years? one. I mean, yeah. obviously, the, the 10-year treasury would be whatever the going rate is at the time. Right. Um, but how about that, t- what is the usual penalty for getting out of a, a 10-year CD early?
1: They have uh, you. You get penalized by the bank, um, and I, I. don't know if I don't think it's a set of number. Each bank can set its own penalty, but I'm but I'm not sure about that either. But it's a penalty the bank imposes on you for early early withdrawal. Is the penalty um, usually on the principal, you, or is it just the amount of interest you get? It's it's a usually a penalty on, a penalty on the principal. You have to you get they okay. they take some away from you, okay. okay. So be very careful. Don't don't. That's why a, a ten-year CD is kind of risky because you know interest rates are probably going to rise higher than three percent in the next few years. So that means the value of your CD or the value of your treasury would go down. I bought a ten-year. Tre- I bought a
2: ten-year CD ten years ago, right before the Great Recession, and which is due this year. You know, you have any, any guesses what rate it is? I got it. At?
1: I probably. I, I bet you it's eight. I'm gonna say eight. 8%. Oh no no, it wasn't that? High. It was from Goldman Sachs with five point five. Five point five. Okay. Yeah. I knew it'd be high. You're not gonna. I don't know what it is now. Do you know what the ten-year Treasuries or uh, ten-year CDs uh, offered are now? I I mean I, I, I just looked it, It's three point two five. Okay, three point two five. That's right. You did. Yeah. Did. Yeah. Three point two five. So, yeah, that's kind of low. I mean, inflation yeah. is two point four or so. Yeah. Do you know what the? Do you know what the what since 1945, the inflation rate, average inflation rate is 3.74 percent in the United States. Okay. Gene, good question. Remember. Good numbers. Thank you for calling. Thank I you. Appreciate thanks it. Much. Let's go. Let's go to Remy in San Diego. How are you doing, Remy? Good, Steve. Hey, thanks for taking my
3: call. Um, hey, I had a question on, uh, and, I, and I purchased this uh, a, a while back. I'm I'm not a gold bug, but I I feel that, you know, the dollar is going nowhere but down in the long term. So I I wanted to get some kind of gold play. And and I wanted to get your thoughts on Alio Gold Inc. It's simple as A-L-O, just for a a gold play going forward.
1: Okay, it's a very risky gold play, okay, Uh, because it's so small. Okay, the symbol is A-L-O-L-O-A-L-I-O, Gold Incorporated, out of Vancouver. Canadian company engaged in acquisition, exploration, and development of gold properties in Mexico. It's only an $87 million company, so it's really small. They make money, and they're going to make $0.38 cents this year and $0.41 cents next year. It's so $1.96, so based on that earnings, it's pretty darn cheap. But sales right. have been going down. So uh, it's a very high risk. If you're, if you're there for speculation and gold, this is a speculation type of stock. If you want to have a gold position to, as a hedge against the dollar or the stock market, you would buy a bigger gold mining company okay, or buy the ETF for gold or the ETF for gold miners. But picking a small company like this is much riskier than trying to benefit from the gold movement up. All the you know in general, and the dollar moving down. So this would be a speculative, and I would probably buy another gold position to take to take advantage of my thought that the dollar would go down. If that's what you're thinking, you know what I'm saying? Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. No, I was. And this so was okay to- more of a, a technical trade. Um, and I, I got in when it was beat up, uh, and, I, and it was uh-huh. more of a, a, of a spec trade. But, you're, no, that's great advice. Thank you. I, I didn't think about uh, doing uh, more of a fundamental play, larger fundamental play going forward as, as a hold. So that's great advice. Thank you, sir. Yeah.
1: Thanks, thanks, Remy. Yeah. If you're trying to hedge against weakness in dollars or even commodities moving up, You know, you would want to be a bit broader in your gold selection. This is a great one for a speculative play, highly speculative, and maybe a win. But it's not a good one for the hedge against the weakness of a dollar. Take your investment skills to the next level, everybody. I want you to join us for free on our live webinar, May 30th, Fundamental and Technical Analysis. We don't do these very often, and we did fundamental technical analysis several years ago and a seminar. So this is gonna be a webinar that talks about fundamental and technical analysis. I think it'd be really good for those of you who want to learn how to do this. Short-term traders and and finding good buy and sell points, you're gonna use technical analysis. So we'll show you how to do that. It's not rocket science, it's just something you have to learn. It's a learned thing. And remember, technical analysis tends to be true. It's not science at all. It's what tends to happen. Okay, but fundamental analysis, which is far more important to picking stocks, that is always true and always be used when you buy stocks. you got to have the fundamentals there first. Okay, uh, so I hope you join me, me and Justin. It's May 30th at 6.30 p.m. Pacific time. It's free. Registration will open next week.
0: Oh, sure, there are plenty of opportunities, but buying and owning real estate can be a lot more complicated than investing in stocks and bonds. If you have questions about real estate investing or whether to invest in your own home or maybe downsize, sell, and move to a more manageable house, ask our in-house licensed real estate consultant, Justin Klein. Just go to investtalk.com and click on, got a question? He will get back to you.
1: 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. Okay. This proven recession predictor is close to sounding an alarm. And I'm talking about the inversion of the 10-year and 2-year treasury. I'm talking about the yield curve being inverted, where the yield on a 2-year is higher than the yield on a 10-year. Okay, we're not there yet. There's still a 0.45% spread between it. So we're not there yet. It's just been squeezing, squeezing, squeezing now for some time. Whenever it is inverted, a recession... Is upon us or coming real close. Now, if you look at the data, okay, the yield curve is scary. Okay, it is scary right now, but a recession would most likely not start for more than a year afterwards. A year. On average, prior to US recessions of the last five decades, for example, the yield curve turned negative a full 18 months in advance. So even if it happens soon, which is not there yet, you still have a long time before the market falls apart. Okay, The shortest time, the shortest time it ever happened was 13 months after inverted. So just so you know, and we talked about the cycle, the economic cycle, the stock market cycle, and the bond market cycle. This is dealing with the bond market cycle. Two-year tra- two versus 10-year U.S. government security bonds. Okay, The bear markets often precede recession. So don't think you're going to see the recession or we're going to be in a recession before the stock market falls. It falls beforehand. And the inverted yield curves often have a really long lead time before a bear market. Okay so and also it doesn't always happen doesn't always happen for instance so the more than half of the last 5 decades more than half of the recessions of the last 5 decades there was no inverted yield curve didn't invert so it doesn't even have to happen and we'll still be in a bear, we can be in a bear market that's what makes this so interesting. You can never rely on anything. You have to look at a variety of statistics. You have to make up your own mind because experts are often wrong. Often. Because it's not always true. It's not always. It has been always true when we have an inverted yield curve that we the market will go down and we ha- we're going to be in a recession. That has always been true. But you can still have a bear market. You can still have a recession without the inverted yield curve. Life is hard. Our last time of the hour is coming up, everybody. We'll make time for your question. Check in now, 888 99 chart. Join in the discussion.
0: Let's get back to your calls on Invest Talk for this Wednesday, April 25th. One of the best deals in college savings is also one of the least used. You could be missing out on increased returns and reduced risk. The best college savings plan you're not using. That's next time. you have a question for Steve right now, 888-99-CHART is how to reach him on InvestTalk.
3: Hey guys, I was looking to get into some potential growth stocks in China. And uh, I was looking at the financials for a company called QD on, as a ticker and S-O-G-O. SOGO looks more like a Chinese Google alternative while the QD is a credit processor uh, in China. They both look like they have iffy financials but some growth opportunity. Just wondering if you guys could take a look at that and let me know what you think.
1: Thanks. Okay, both of them are Chinese ADRs, companies, stocks that are on our exchange, and they both are fairly new IPOs, so they're high, high risk. Uh, Sugo Inc., S-O-G-O, is the uh, provider of search related services. It's a $3 billion company and it's growing about 50% sales per quarter. It's going to make 60 cents. A share next year after $0.39 a share this year. It's an $8.25 stock. So by next year, it'll be fairly reasonable. But you got to remember, it is a brand. It came out in December. Okay? Uh, And so that's high, high risk. Both of these are high, high risk. This came out with an IPO of about $13. And today it's $8.25. That's S-O-G-O. The other one is QD. Now, that QD came out about the same time in December. It came out at $24, and today it's at $10. So both of these have really suffered. QD uh, has a high, faster growth rate. It's a $10 strike gonna stock going to make $1.80. And I would say QD would be your better value. But both of them are high risk. Both of them are high growth. What you can do is just buy a little each if you want to be in the Chinese market, and these both these seem to be fairly inexpensive based on their growth prospects and their future earnings. But growth stocks have been taking it on the chin. And these are, this is an example. Both these selling well below their IPO prices of six months ago. Both have very high growth. See, so with you know a year last year, both these be way above their IPO prices with that high growth. Not this year. See, it's a different year. Different things happen. Volatility. Let's talk about volatility. We've talked about it many times. And, you know, we, we pointed out what we think is the cause of the trade issues between us and foreign trade partners. Uh, bond yields going up. You know, 10 exceeding 3% or hitting 3%. And a worry about inflation. But there's one thing we're not talking about that may be causing this volatility. Do you know what a blackout period is? A blackout period it comes around every earnings season. And for a month before companies issued their earnings, they cannot, the insiders can't sell or buy their stocks. The company can't sell. There can be no insider trading. There could be no buybacks for 30 days prior to their announcement. That, remember, in the last few years, buybacks has been a big driver of stock prices. So, what happens if all of a sudden it dries up and there is no buybacks? Could that not be the reason for an additional reason for the volatility we're having? You take away one of the participants of buyers out there. Remember, all of the stock market is, all it is, is someone offering to sell a stock at a price, someone offering to buy a stock at a certain price. And those two people have to get together. Well, what if you take away some of the buyers? There's less buyers. So the person offering to sell a stock at a certain price is going to have to lower their price. If there's fewer participants in the market, that tends to make the market more volatile. It's because there's fewer people in it. The more people are on both sides of the equation, the more that they are, the calmer the market It's just been the nature of the business. That's why if you look at stocks with very low volume, trading volume, if you look at those, you'll see that their price jumps up and down much more than, let's say, Procter & Gamble, which has huge numbers of buyers and sellers, or Johnson & Johnson. It's the nature of the stock market. Okay? So I'm just pointing out that could be another reason why we're seeing volatility right now. There's less buyers because we're earning season. We're into earning season. People can't, you know, insiders can't buy or sell. Time to end the hour. A reminder, I have a new day for portfolio reviews. There's no space available for the May date in San Jose. Uh, so we're going to have to make it June. June 6th, if you want to meet with me, you can reserve your time right now on investtalk.com. I'm financial advisor Steve Peasley, Justin Klein, and I thank you for making this part of your day, our show, Monday through Friday. Let's do it again here on tomorrow, Thursday.
0: Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically.